Dealing with change can be overwhelming and intimidating. But as you'll hear in this episode, it can also be exciting. It's all in how you look at it. We're going to dig into change today. How we deal with it now that we aren't drinking. And more importantly, all of the ways we've changed ourselves in order to have the confidence to face what life throws at us. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. Before we jump into the episode, don't forget to visit our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get updates about the podcast, helpful articles to support your recovery, and information about our weekly Zoom support group. Again, that's throughtheglassrecovery.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery podcast. So excited to be here with you guys today. I am recording today with what I'm pretty sure is COVID, so I'm really sorry for the state of my voice, but we're going to make do. And also, before we get into intros, I just have to say how freaking amazing the internet is. We are here with someone from France and someone from the UK and someone from Canada and a couple of Americans. And I just think it's incredible that we can get all of these people from across the world together in one place to talk about something that's really important to all of us. So prepare the internet and Zoom and all of these wonderful things that we have now. With that, we'll go ahead and do our introductions and we will start with Dan. Oh, hi, I'm Dan. I'm from uh, Pennsylvania in the United States and I recently hit 1300 days, a little more than three years of continuous sobriety. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. And next we'll go with Sherilyn. Hi, uh, thanks so much for inviting me on. I'm Sherilyn, I'm from Norwich, UK, and I now live in France. And I am, on Thursday, I'm going to be one year, two months, and three days sober, which is really cool. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Super cool, congratulations. And last but not least, we have Kate. I am Kate, and I'm tw- nearly 22 months. I don't. I know on the 21st is my kind of big month day, and I'll be yeah 22 months, which is really exciting. I'm going to be two years the week before Christmas is when I gave up. So crazy to some, but it worked for me. I am from London. I have American parents. I've lived in New York. I had children in Italy, and I'm now living in a small town in the West Midlands. For now, but yeah, that that's where I'm I'm doing this from. <laughs> Amazing. And Kate is also a podcast host. Do you want to tell us about your podcast? Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I got a podcast with Steph and it's called The Sober Effect and it's a fortnightly one. So every two weeks and we kind of talk about the, the ripple effect and the domino effect of sobriety and drinking. So we, we don't only speak to sober people. We talk to people dealing with people who drink, whether that's a taxi driver or a nurse in the, you know, ICU, whatever. We've done about 18 episodes and 
Yeah, I love it. I just, anything that gets the message out there is great, isn't it? And it seems like at the moment, more and more people are deciding to become sober and deciding to talk about it. And it feels like every time I log onto social media, the community's growing. And I, I'm so, so happy about it. And a podcast like this, I absolutely love. Yeah, awesome. No, we, we love your podcast too. And so excited to have you share some of your thoughts with us. Um, and I will include Kate's and Sherilyn's Instagram, social media links, and and all of that in the show notes. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. So we know that the number one most common cause of relapse is dealing with difficult emotions. One of the most common things in life that brings up some of those difficult emotions is being faced with change. So that's our topic for today, dealing with and moving through change. We want to hear your stories. What changes have you had to go through since you've stopped drinking? And what can you share with our listeners about what you learned from that experience? I can go first. Uh, I think sobriety is all about learning how to pivot and change. You know, and, and I, I love to tell this part of the story. I feel like, you know, uh, you know, my bottom moment was this moment when I realized I needed to be there for my daughter and I needed to get sober and I had to do it for her. And uh, it didn't take me too long to, to realize that it had to be for me, that she could get the benefit of this. But I had to, you know, adjust the way I looked at it. And this had to be to benefit me. And in looking at it that way, it allowed me to start looking inward and to start dealing with a lot of things that I had repressed for years with alcohol and that I had avoided and run from. And that's something that just constantly has to adjust and change along the way. I mean, in the beginning, I needed many, many meetings every day. And now a few less was okay and I'm all right. You know, it just kind of looking through all the things that I've ever tried to avoid and run away from. And I was telling a story to them in a meeting recently that I did a, a breathwork session, if anyone's familiar with that. And I really had this uh, this kind of image of me sort of um, as I was when I was drinking, kind of being drunk and berating myself for being who I was. You know, and I just kind of like went to hug my, that person and be like, it's okay, you're going to be all right. There is another side. And, you know, I wasn't here, but I am now. And it's going to be okay for both of us. So to look at it that way and just kind of be able to make that pivot and that change and realize that maybe some of these things I thought I had really worked out, maybe I've only scratched the surface of them and I have to go back and kind of restart all of this stuff over again and keep working and to realize that in the old me would have called that failure, failure to achieve. Now it is a chance at, a, at continuing the progress I've begun. I think that is... That is absolutely what change in sobriety is. And I think change is not something I have to fear anymore. Maybe a little anxiety, but not to outright fear and avoid. <laughs> Maybe a little anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, we, if we're being honest. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I think I really like what you said, actually. And I think so many people will feel the same way. And and for me, the... the whole topic of change is an interesting one because change to me has always meant what's happening around me and how I deal with it whereas since I've stopped drinking the change has been inside me 
I feel like I have I have never been sober as an adult. I started drinking when I was a young teen and I've never been a grown up and I'm in my 40s. So for me, I feel like I have been completely stripped bare of everything that, you know, drinking was my only hobby. I didn't do hardly anything else. I have been stunted as this kind of teenager mentality and I haven't really developed. So the change is happening almost like like it should have happened years and years ago to me and I'm almost learning about myself and I'm watching the change happen and I'm taking an interest in myself for the first time and I think when you speak about change and not being scared by it I think that that's exactly how I feel I think originally I was kind of like what do I do now I, I genuinely don't know who I am and it's so embarrassing that alcohol played such a big part in my life but it did every day and now I haven't got that I don't know who I am, but but once you start seeing that as exciting, then you embrace it, don't you? And you say, what am I interested in? I'm going to go do an art course in the evening because I'm not going to be drinking and wasting my day. And I think I think that aspect of change has turned from being something scary for me to something that I'm so interested in finding out about how I'm going to naturally change. That resonates so much with me, what both of you said. I am exactly the same in terms of started drinking as a teen and now I'm 45, um, was drinking every day until the day I stopped. And I think, you know, I have no idea who who I who I was meant to be. And I feel sometimes like I'm going back to when I was younger. Like one of the things I started doing is listening to music that I used to love when I was a teenager. And it's bringing out all these hobbies I used to have but never had time for when I was drinking. It's made me want to really look deep inside and find out, you know, what's my true self. I've been reading lots of books about the self, <laughs> as well as all the quick lit. And um, yeah, I think it is really exciting. It depends on how how you view it. It's a mindset thing, I think. Either you view it as a challenge or you can view it as an opportunity. Yeah, and in some ways they're both the challenge and the opportunity. It's the challenge that that what am I going to do about this? I drank to not have to deal with it. And and now it's, I'm present and I get a chance to deal with it. And looking at it that way, you guys all said it, looking at it with excitement. Ooh, I wonder. There's this sense of awe and a sense of, of wonder that comes along. What is it going to be like on the other side of this? I have no idea. But the unknown is now something that is more interesting than it is something to fear. The growth that comes along with that is interesting. It's fun. I think change now, instead of something I fear, is is now more fun than it is anything else. It's an uh, opportunity to learn something. There, like you said, Dan, there's a ton of failure in there. There's a ton of failure. I make mistakes all the time. But... I'm better for it because I get a chance to go back. I can review it. I can take a look. What am I going to do differently? How am I going to change the way I see it? How am I going to change the way I think? How am I going to approach this situation? There's the internal change inside of me. That's probably the biggest and greatest one. I, that's what I've heard from all three of you so far. And then there's the places that change, the people that change, the the... Because I know there's a, a, an enormous people change that has happened in my life too. 
there's the past people and there's the present people. And a lot of that is very different from what it looked like when I began. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I think because we change so much, we maybe attract different kinds of people now um, into our circle of friends or even acquaintances. And there are also a lot of things, a lot of BS that we're no longer prepared to put up with because we're not numbing with alcohol anymore. I think this is the case for me because I actually lost my job in April. It wasn't really my decision, but it kind of was. So it was a kind of circumstantial thing, but mainly it was because I wasn't prepared to put up with a lot of the BS I was putting up with at work that that I'd been putting up with for too long. So (laughs) yeah, it's because we change inside that things around us change, I think. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. Oh no, that's a that's a good share and a good point. And it's, you know, I, I was really like, it, it, when I was drinking, looking for guarantees. I was looking to manipulate people, places, and things into being what I thought the situation determined. And you know, um, I think that your podcast is interesting uh, there because it you know deals not only with you know we the alcoholic, but with the people who have to who had to deal with us. And I really got a good perspective of that. The uh, first time I went to like an Al-Anon meeting and I got to hear, you know, how the non-alcoholic got, got to view all of us during that time and, and to see the things that we can't control, which is people, places, and things, everything else. I tried so hard and was so miserable because I couldn't figure out why I couldn't control it. You know, and I think the peace came in the acceptance of realizing I can't control those things and I never could. You know, that control was an illusion. So I'm listening to you guys talk about change, like internal change, like us changing as people. And I mean, I know for me, if you look back on the last two years, I'm a completely different person than I was. And it's it's good and it's wonderful. I have control over that. Listening to Dan talk about control. I'm great with the changes happening inside of me because I have control over that. And so I see them as exciting and, you know, as full of opportunity and potential. When things that I can't control around me are changing is when it actually gets really tricky. The thing that comes to mind first is my youngest daughter just got her driver's license. And that is a massive change in our lives. This is my last kid that needed me to drive her around and that needed me to get her places and do things for her. And all of a sudden she's like full on independent, got a job, really has no use for me anymore. And that is a massive change that I have zero control over. And it's like, it's this battle right now between us because I'm like, kind of want to hold on to some amount of control, but then I don't know how much is appropriate to hold on to and, you know, what's good and what's healthy and what, what just doesn't feel good. And I just don't like it. And why am I trying to just, you know, control that aspect of it? And there's just, there's so much there that is completely outside of what I can control. And that's where it's getting really uncomfortable. Like my own internal changes, I get to decide when I'm going to take the next step or when I'm going to face the next hard thing. And I can choose to step back if I feel like it's too much. And my 16 year old is not giving me the option to choose to step back. We can't like, you know, let's slow this down a little bit. Let's, you know, take your driver's license away for a couple months. I wasn't ready. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so it is, it's like super uncomfortable. And that's what we all, you know, with, with drinking, People who have substance abuse issues, we love our comfort zones. We like to avoid discomfort. 
And for me, change that I can't control is essentially just massive discomfort. And so it's but been Julie, isn't that what we were doing before? Weren't we living in a bubble and creating massive emotional roller coasters in our own brains to the point where we didn't want to be out in public because actually it was so hard to control what was going on in our heads because quite frankly we were taking drugs that were affecting the way our minds worked that that alcohol is a drug isn't it i mean look at certainly to the to the extent that i drank it was affecting me and you become more and more reclusive um or you put on a fake act but really what you're describing is what people who never had a, a drink problem or who never relied on drugs or alcohol that's how you grow as a person by dealing with situations but we're just not used to doing it because instead of dealing with things we've just drugged ourselves to the point where we are not capable of doing it and we go into this horrible little place mm-hmm. and, and it's interesting hearing you because I'm there going yeah I completely get that that would be really daunting and out of your control but I've in a way I've also never felt so in control of things and I love all of my emotions I do get jealous and sad and angry and happy but I feel all of them and none of them are are a reaction to something I've done that's embarrassed me or a hangover or anything like that so I I I hear you but I, I still think that these things are changing who we are and we have to listen to them and get through them and they're making us stronger rather than knocking us down and pushing us down that hole even further which I feel like was happening before sorry I butted in no, oh, you're you're spot on with that. Boy. Uh, Boy. I mean, it, it is. It's a massive opportunity for me to grow. It's just one I have no control over. And I see that. Like, I recognize that. And I'm, I'm definitely moving through it with clarity instead of either just trying to shut it down or trying to get a death grip on the situation and, and really control it. You know, I mean, that was me before was just always trying to control everything, like Dan said, and manipulate everything and and make it comfortable for me. And I'm not doing that. Like, I'm definitely growing through it. It is just, it's a really squirmy feeling (laughs) Um, to not be able to be in control of it anymore. It is hard. It's hard to just accept it and and figure out what I need to do and act like a grown-up, like you were saying, Kate, instead of just drink away all of these uncomfortable feelings. You know, I mean, it's a logical place to end up if you're a person. I mean, like, for speaking for myself, I hated myself. I absolutely couldn't stand me. You know, I was a terrible person. I was an awful person in every way. And you know, what, 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 what could a person do with that level of misery? Well, I, I can deal with the emotional issues that I had, and I can process it, and I can move forward in a healthy way. Or I can numb. Well, I mean, I spent many, many years giving numbing a fair chance for it really ended up ending, and in the end, it all just blew up in my face anyway. You know, it, that it wasn't a reprieve. It was, uh, it was delaying for later while piling more problems on top. To you know, when it finally exploded, you know, what was I? You know, I, you know, I had no real choice but to sit and just sit in it and look at it and deal with each thing one after the next, after the next, after the next, and it was daunting and overwhelming. But it was the only way out. Yeah, and it, you know, I, I would definitely say to the person who's struggling in the early days now, it's hard, and it really is hard. But it, every little minute of agony that you'll ever go through is worth it once you get through there. Could I ask a question of you four? Because I haven't had anything 
big happened to me in the 22 months. And I'm really scared about the death of a family member, like an, an elderly, I'm not kind of sitting here being paranoid about my children, but I'm, I'm really nervous about a big dramatic emotional, because I haven't had to deal with any of that. And I genuinely keep thinking if it's going to, if I'm going to slip, it's going to be that. Have any of you dealt with something really big that you've gotten through and how did you do that? Because I'm really interested and it's not something I've ever asked anyone before. So if that is still on topic, I'd love yeah, to hear. That is a huge change. For me, it's like, where do I start? Uh, divorce. My in-laws grandmother passed away. I've moved out. Like I literally like moved out and lived on my own. And then now I've moved out and now I'm living with my parents and I've quit my job. So there's been a in in two and a half years everything's changed and now my mom just got diagnosed with cancer so and here i am i'm living at home with mom and dad now like i've I'm, I'm there's a whole massive wholesale change and what i would say to that and how i dealt with it is you talked earlier about embracing those emotions right you have the jealousy the sadness all of that stuff, you'll experience some grief and it's it'll hang on and it will be hard. But the one thing that gives me courage to get through any of that stuff and the one thing that's given me courage to get through all of it is knowing that I have a support system to fall on. That has been my bread and butter when it comes to having gone through all of that stuff, getting to the point where I knew I had to end the relationship with my wife, getting to the point where I knew I had to do, I had to leave work. I had to, I, I had to leave that sick environment. Getting to all of those points wasn't easy. The law, the loss, I've been to some funerals. Funerals to me, actually, they're like motivation to not waste my life. Because death to me now is like, crap, I'm not that far away from that. So the main thing for me is you, you have that support system. Those people that you lean on right now, you text, you talk with all of that stuff. Those are the people for me that have, I'll say it saved my life. They've helped me grow. They've helped me get to where I am today. And they're not all the same people that were there a year ago, but I'm still grateful for their presence in my life because I needed them to get to where I am now. And that to me is like the be all and end all. That is where my courage comes from to get through the hard. Yeah. When I was about three months sober, my dad was, uh, my dad died in a plane crash. And, you know, it was the middle of COVID. There was no traveling. There was no really doing a whole lot for me. So it, it was it was a very hard thing. And it was a very powerless feeling to kind of be stuck here while he died in California and really not just not be able to do anything. You know, and, and so I was not ready at that point to have handled all that. And it, and it was something that was kind of, you know, driving me in the other direction. But instead, I, I leaned into that support system. And I agree with what Steve said, you know, in full, but, uh, if it wasn't for the sober support system I had built up in that first 90 days, I would not have made it through that. Okay. 
that was uh, a definite turning point. And, and it was a, a point that showed me how much I can trust these people. So, Yeah, learning to lean on others and also really starting to understand my emotions has been really helpful too. I understand now that emotions do come and go, even grief. It comes and it comes in one hell of a wave and it feels like I'm drowning. And then it washes over me and it goes back out. It's just like a craving, right? It washes over you and you think you can't handle it. And then it washes back out to sea. And then the next one's going to come. And, you know, but understanding that whatever the emotion is that I'm feeling is going to come and it might be so powerful that I feel completely incapacitated and it will also wash back out and it will get easier over the course of time. I've the first, so my, my, recovery story starts with being sober for 14 months the first time around before I relapsed. During that 14 months, I lost my grandfather and my grandmother. And that was without any kind of support system. I had none. That whole, the first time I quit drinking, I didn't talk to a single person about being sober. And so it was just a death grip and trying to cope with those feelings. And I I hadn't done any growing. I hadn't done any work. I hadn't tried to figure out how emotions worked or, you know, any of that. I was just, it was just a death grip. It was white knuckling my way through it. This time around, I haven't had any tremendous losses. I'm like you, Kate. I am most terrified of losing my parents. That has been the thing. Like for a while, that stopped me from quitting drinking. My dad hasn't been in the best health. I'm like, well, I can't quit drinking before he passes away because I'm not going to be able to get through that. Right. That was my excuse for the longest time. And I mean, I know now I can deal with it. I have a support system and I also understand that emotions come and go and that I I can keep working through. There's always an other side to whatever you're feeling right now, whether it's grief or sadness or any of those hard emotions, there's always another side. And really believing that has been key for a lot of different parts of my life, including probably change, right? Like I'm sitting here recognizing that where I'm at right now is not where I'm going to be forever. And um, yeah, just the the awareness and the, the clarity and understanding of it all. Before, if I felt anything, I just drank. That was just the answer. There was no other answer. So I've kind of worked to find other other ways of seeing things, I guess. But it's definitely a scary topic and a scary thing to have to to think about facing. Well, that's a major change in and of itself and just changing how uh, we choose to deal with the world, you know, because it's going to be difficult. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, one of those difficult changes is early on that pink cloud comes and you know, uh, it's all on top of the world. And when that pink cloud goes, I, I go into this, oh, well, here's the downside. It's all downhill from here. It's all awful, you know, Eeyore, whatever bull crap I've got next. But really, that's just living life, you know, on life's terms right there in the middle. And that was a, you know, a nice serene spot, but it was just lower than that nice high point of, oh, how great this is. So it's just important to realize the difference. And I think that's a change in how we look at the world. I think when that time comes, Kate, you're going to learn a lot about yourself. And anytime I've gone through something hard, I've learned a lot about myself and people will show up. Yeah, I think it's like I I am still terrified of it, but I... In a way, you know, and it's the same. My my parents are that I think how how will I get through it? But actually, I'd rather them see what I'm doing now and go. I, I've seen it, and because I've always been the bad drinker in my family, and and they will still drink, but it's always been okay oh, and alcohol. God, don't yeah. What's happened now? You know, and it's been so nice for them to see 
me as the only member of my family who has stopped drinking um be able to do it and and uh, you know i'm i'm so i think being proud of yourself instead of like Dan was saying, I hated myself every morning I woke up. And and my first thought was, I've done it again. Why? I'm so disappointed in myself. Look at me. Ugh, I feel bad. Don't like myself. Look. You know, how can you be happy in life when you start every day hating yourself? You can't be. It's impossible. And I have never experienced a feeling of being truly proud of who I am and confident. And again, Julie, it's kind of like what you were saying. Oh, no, it wasn't you. It was um, someone else saying about leaving a job having the confidence to stand up for yourself because when you're drinking all the time and the shame follows you around you feel like you're pathetic and why I can't stand up for myself look at what I looked like last night asleep on the sofa dribbling you know why should they hire me in the beginning I'm lucky I've got a job but when that stops you do feel big enough and proud enough to push boundaries and sound worth more and I think that changes everything and it changes who you want to hang around with and who you who you feel you you deserve to hang around with and and I think that's a huge thing in change and changing who you become yeah and I think you know all of these changes that we go through all of the you know when we have the confidence and the courage to change our friends or to change our job or whatever that is it, it just continues to give us more and more confidence to face other changes in our lives and know that we can do it, you know, no matter how hard it is. I mean, you know, I can, I can talk about how hard all the changes are that I'm going through right now, but I also have the confidence to know I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get through it. And I think that's a really big part of it is things are going to happen in our lives. Things we can control, things we can't control changes that, you know, we wish we didn't have to accept, but the more we grow as people, the more we're going to have the confidence to know that we can get through whatever life decides to throw at us. I think it really depends on how far along you are as well in sobriety. The fact, the feeling of being able to deal with anything. I mean, kudos to you, Dan, for being able to deal with everything you dealt with at three months. Because I think after just over a year, I feel like I would be much less likely to relapse now than I would have been two months in or six months in. I don't know why. I think it, I just with time you just think about it less, and you don't you don't get so many cravings, and you deal with things serious or less serious, but you get through it, and so your confidence builds up more and more. I think so. I hadn't actually thought about you know what happens if I have to deal with grief in sobriety at all. I think I I, I kind of like to avoid thinking about that kind of thing because. I don't like thinking about death, <laughs> but it is, you know, part of life. And I'm sure, you know, it's going to happen to us at some point, um, losing someone we love. And it's happened to me before when I haven't been sober. And now one of the things I've learned is that no matter how hard these emotions are that we have to face, whatever's, whatever we're facing is going to be 10 times harder if we have to face it with a drink than facing it with the sober and all the sober time that we've got in our sober network that we've got now. I think that's the important thing to remember is that it's going to be way harder on us if, uh, if I choose to pick up again. You know, whatever I have to deal with now, it may feel crippling in the moment, but that's something that happens. It's going to be crippling and it's never going to end if I don't deal with it and I just numb it down. So... Short-term pain versus long-term pain. 
Exactly. I had a thought, and then, like a squirrel, it ran away with the nut. (laughs) I've got another question if you want me to ask it. Go for it. (laughs) I told you I talk a lot. I'm so sorry. It's great. It's great. Okay. Here's a question for you guys. Have your friends noticed? So not have your friends changed, because I pretty much feel like I could answer that for everyone who's become sober. Yes, they have. But have any have your friends noticed a big change in you since you became sober? Because obviously we live with ourselves, don't we? And we kind of every day we make small changes. But when you meet friends who you've known for a long time who stay your friends once you've got sober, and some of them don't, and, and that's probably a whole topic for a different podcast. But have you noticed that people have sort of said to you, because my sister said to me the other day, I'd like to go on holiday with you. And I thought, that's a really weird thing to say. And she went, no, but I never would have before. I was like, thanks, that's actually an insult then. You're basically, and she's like, well, I don't mean it like that. But it, I didn't like you when you were drunk and you got really loud. And it was always, but I'd really, I'd really like you. And I thought that's, that's quite interesting. Like, have any of your friends said things that have made you realize how different you are? Yes, um, and at a, a school event for my daughters, and, and this is a person who I'm sort of peripherally friends with. Um, I don't know this woman super well, but we've known each other for four or five years. Sorry, well, but uh, she walked up to me and she said, you know, I just want to say you seem different and you seem so much happier and healthier and you seem like there's a lightness to you now that you didn't used to have. You used to look like you were ready to go off at any moment. And so I, I, I'm not sure what's different about you, but I like it. And I was like, well, <laughs> and so I explained to her right there. I, you know, I told her about it and, you know, and I, I, you know, all of my friends who were not in recovery, they all know about recovery. For me, that is an important piece of the puzzle is that I can't really build meaningful connections with people if I'm compartmentalizing and showing them only the thing I want them to see. They, they've got to look at the whole picture and choose to accept me as I am or not. And, you know, everyone has been supportive. Everyone has been willing to, you know, graduate. And most of the time they end up finding out about milestones and they, you know, they'll just say something nice about it too. So that was the one big moment when I realized that everyone else noticed this difference in me and probably people were just too polite to say it. But uh, my friend, Miss No Filter, had no problem telling me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know because I haven't seen my family since I stopped drinking. Last time I had a, an embarrassing drunken thing was with my family in the UK about 18 months ago. So I don't know if they're going to notice any different. Like I still talk to them on the phone and stuff, but it's not the same. And um, as for my friends, uh, I have three young children, so I don't go out very much. <laughs> I don't see them very much. <laughs> but um, I think... They they think that I'm a bit weird now. Um, Julie, you said something about that in one of your recent posts. A lot of people think that being sober is weird, but I don't think they mean it necessarily in a mean way. I think they mean it in a kind of you're a bit quirky way. So I'd rather be quirky than drunk. So that's fine. Oh, I think of it as brave, <laughs> leading the way. We're yeah. doing what everyone wants to do. They just don't have the guts to do it. I think yeah. that's how I like to see it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I was actually going to 
what to answer Kate's question, talk about that. I I don't really spend a lot of time with the same friends at all. So I couldn't tell you what they said, but my family definitely is affected by my change um, and me changing as a person. And it's not honestly all been positive. Like my relationship with my daughter is definitely better. I am not the same people pleaser and perfectionist and everything else that I used to be. And so that is not making people in my family very happy. Um, And that is, I mean, that's a totally different subject. I could talk about it for a long time, but I'm no longer bending over backwards to keep everybody else comfortable. And so it's not been the most positive um, response from the people in my life that I'm closest to, which is unfortunate and also makes it really hard to keep making those changes, right? It makes you second guess and it makes you doubt. And is this really the right thing to be doing? And, you know, I stand up for myself now and I say no to things now. And so, yeah, it's actually, it's been a little bit difficult as far as that goes, but definitely me changing as a person has affected relationships, but I was never like the obnoxious drunk either. Like nobody ever knew me as that because for the most part, my drinking happened at home in secret. So nobody even knew I had a problem. So now I'm just weird. You know, they don't see the sobriety because they never really saw the drunkenness. Now I'm just weird and I'm just being, you know, authentic. And so it's not always comfortable for everybody. Which is brave and amazing. Just going to point that one out. That, I mean, my divorce happened because we were done keeping keeping people comfortable. And in things, things didn't work out. The way communication broke down, communication wasn't very good. It never got any better, even though, and if we're going to talk about change, the squirrel found that nut and he's brought it back. And so I have the thought again, woohoo, vulnerability. It's the one thing I think that brings about so much of, of, of the change in my life is learning how to actually try and speak and be real and be authentic and say how share how i feel that's affected the relationships because finally i'm being honest about things and that's requiring a change that is potentially not keeping people comfortable and i'm saying this needs to happen for us this to continue on and, and carry on in in a fruitful way and if that doesn't happen on the other side there's nothing i can do about that i can't change that but i can change what I'm going to do about it. So that's one of the reasons why I'm, you know, I'm divorced now. That's, but at the same time, our relationship is starting to like get better after all of the crap mm-hmm. that we've gone through. The children are still happy. We still communicate fairly decently. The, we still communicated through all of that with that willingness to at least move forward and past it and around all of the humps. But being vulnerable and that level of self-awareness is an absolute huge change when it comes to the the grief and sadness and all the rest of it. If I can't communicate that to my support group, I'm I'm right where I was when I started when I was drinking because I didn't communicate anything then either. And when I did, it had nothing to do about me. It was more about blaming everyone else. So our communication is so important, isn't it? Because if you're not honest about who you are, how could you expect other people to see who you really are? You don't attract the right people. And and people, you get into this kind of weird 
parallel world where everyone's pretending to be someone else and then going home and drinking and 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 pretending and then you know and it's it's kind of it's so toxic and I would rather have one person in my life than hundreds and be popular walking to the pub I'm here I'm here and everyone's there like yeah she'll get drunk in a minute and buy the rounds or I'll just wait she'll fall over or you know and they're not really friends and as soon as I stopped drinking I had no interest to go to the pub because they weren't friends and I only went there because it was an access to alcohol and it hit me I was like all these things that I'm now not doing. It's not because I'm missing out and I'm scared to go out without a drink for courage. It's because I never enjoyed them. They were, all they were doing were enabling me to drink. So I would go to anywhere with anyone who was going to drink at the level I did. And I feel like my relationships are just so much more genuine now. And I don't upset people as much because I'm honest and people seem to really appreciate that. The right people appreciate that, don't they? And that's it. And, and that's, that means you've got much better relationships. They may be less, but they're much better. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. We're going to wrap this one up. And so what a conversation we had here. Kate, you asked some really great questions. We talked about dealing with change. And a lot of what we talked about was the internal change. And then we talked about some external. And we Kate asked a question about loss or you know, big, just big changes in our life. And I think through recovery and as we move through this whole process, a lot of change happens internally and externally. Uh, we talked about looking at change and how we view it with excitement that it's a challenge instead of trying to avoid it. Dan talked about the loss of his father at three months and how he was able to deal with that change early on in sobriety, which was really incredible. Julie, with the emotions that come and go, and there's always another side to it. Even the change in mentality to be able to play that tape forward and say, I, you know, this isn't permanent. And I think a lot of the times we sit in an emotion thinking this is permanence and there is no permanence to emotion. It does pass. Leaning on our supports. First, finding the support, the place where you can be vulnerable and honest, and then leaning on them after being a place to find strength. I think it's interesting how in addiction, I was super selfish. And then in sobriety and recovery, I'm selfish, but now I'm selfish to become selfless. And I'm going to finish it off with this. Change is inevitable. We can move against it or we can move with it. So we could be a salmon and we can go against the current and go up the stream and, you know, jump over the rocks and up the waterfalls and all the rest to get to our destination. Or we can be a dolphin who moves with the current and uses it to help. That's what we're doing now in recovery is embracing the current and following that path and seeing where it leads us. So I want to say thank you, Dan. Thank you, Sherilyn, and thank you, Kate, for your time and your thoughts and your experiences today. Really appreciate you guys. Thank you for inviting me on. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for sharing your time with us today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we want to encourage you to share it with someone you think might benefit from it. We want to get these conversations 
to as many people as possible.